It is Friday, the 19th of January, as we begin EWTN Radio's live coverage of the March for Life. Let's pray for those who work in the cause of life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for all those who work to promote the gospel of life, that God might reward them for their goodness, we pray to the Lord. For those who work to defend the lives of the unborn, the sick, the infirm, and the aged, those who defend humanity's inalienable inalienable right to life, we pray to the Lord. We pray for all who work for an end to the culture of death, and especially for our brothers and sisters from other churches and religions that love for the gospel of life might draw us all together closer in Christ. We pray to the Lord. For all who work for life, that they may be assured of our gratitude and prayers for the holy work they do, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Praying for all of you, praying especially for those of you who are driving towards the Washington, D.C. metro area. Perhaps you got a hotel there last night. Perhaps you are in your own town uh, next to your own county seat or state capital preparing to give a public witness today. We are praying for you. It is the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We've got a live video feed up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. We get to talk today to one of the March for Life rally keynote speakers. Jean-Marie Davis is going to be with us. She runs a pregnancy center in Vermont, and she has a story that you will not want to miss. Ken Craycraft will be along as well to talk about how our passion for protecting the unborn ought to flow into all areas of our defense of the culture of life. We'll also, this morning, talk to Jeannie Mancini, who is the president of the March for Life. She has a very, very busy day ahead. We are so glad that she was able to spend a little time uh, with us this morning. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pro-lifers are descending on Washington ahead of the 51st National March for Life and will have a slightly different route this year. Organizers say in order to mark not only our victory in Dobbs, but also our need to maintain a presence in Washington, we are marching past the Capitol and will finish between the Capitol and the Supreme Court, saying, quote, we will give witness to the inherent dignity of the human person, to pro-life and pro-abortion legislators alike, helping them understand that we will not cease advocating for women and children until every life is protected. The National Prayer Vigil for Life has gotten underway at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception ahead of today's March for Life in Washington. The celebrant for the opening mass this evening or yesterday evening was Bishop Michael Burbage of Arlington, who chairs the U.S. Bishop's Pro-Life Committee. There's been an all-night vigil in the Basilica, and Bishop Earl Fernandez of Columbus will be the principal celebrant and homilist at the closing Mass this morning. And Matt, are you there? Because I'm Bishop here. Earl is on the line to talk to us right now. Well, this is pretty cool. I didn't tease this in the beginning of the show because I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get it. Surprise! <laughs> opening Surprise. guest! Bishop Earl Fernandez of the Diocese of Columbus, thank you so much for making time in your insanely busy day to, to help us uh, get ready for the March for Life. 
Oh, it's great to be with all of you. Uh, it is an insanely busy day. I'm getting ready to leave uh, for the Basilica uh, here at 6.15 with my group from Columbus. So, uh, so, But yesterday was, again, a very exciting day in the Basilica, filled, packed with young people. People heard uh, Bishop Burbage's uh, very passionate uh, homily. Uh, we have some victories. We have some setbacks. But we, you know, we continue to, uh, to walk with women to stand uh, and, and be active in the defense of the life of every child, every person, born and unborn. So, uh, it was it, again, it, the atmosphere last night was electric. I'm so glad to, to hear that, and I'm so glad uh, to have you here. Of course, you are in the Diocese of Columbus. That's the that's St. Gabriel Radio Country. Do you know how many people have come from uh, your diocese, or do you at least have a sense of, of who all's coming from Columbus to Ohio? Or, I'm sorry, I to can... uh, D.C.? Last year I came uh, uh, for the March for Life. I drove myself. Nothing was organized at all in the diocese. There were scattering groups of parishes or a high school here or there. So after, especially after November, I said, we have to be very intentional. We need to take uh, some uh, high school groups and, and really promote this. So yesterday at about 1.30 p.m., I had Mass in the National Shrine of John Paul II with about 400 young people who came from the Diocese of Columbus. In addition, there are other groups, you know, St. Patrick's Parish in Columbus or St. Michael's in Worthington that also brought groups. So we have a good contingent uh, from uh, Columbus here, but the people have come from all over the country. I met some young people from Madison, Wisconsin. The Nuncio and I, Papal Nuncio and I, were leaving the Basilica last night. A young man came from Fairbanks. It was his first time for the March for Life. So there's a lot of people from all over the country, and I'm happy that we have a good group. I even brought some of my uh, senior diocesan staff. Uh, because we hope to establish a respect life office in the Diocese of Columbus. Uh, Bishop Fernandez, do bishops get excited about this? Yes and no. We get excited about it in as much as we're with young people, and they give, they give us hope for the future. But we need them to be active now. It's also depressing. I, uh, you know, for, 50, you know, for 50 years we hoped to see Dobbs uh, overturned, um, and then it was. And then in Ohio, despite our best efforts as bishops, as priests, uh, putting on a united front. We still lost them, and we have to admit we lost badly. We were outspent. We put our eggs, so to speak, in the ba- largely in a political basket, and we need to win the battle for hearts. You know, I look forward to the day when we no longer have to march uh, to defend the right to life of the unborn child to create a culture of life, a civilization of love in which every child, every person is valued, cared for, and respected. So it's, it's, it's mixed. We are excited. We are happy to be with our young people, and they are happy to be with us. But we understand the grim reality of why we're marching, because abortion takes the life of a child every time, and well, it harms who have them. And so this is one of the things. We in the Church, we don't want to control people's lives. Rather, we want to value life and cherish life and nurture life and protect life. That's what we're about. In Evangelium Vitae, Pope John Paul II talks about being a people of life, and that is who we are. So by being together, we're actually expressing our identity as a people. Well, we are so grateful, and I know many of the Ohioans listening across all the various Catholic radio stations based in Ohio, from Sacred Heart Radio to St. Gabriel to The Rock in Cleveland to you know, Annunciation. All these stations are so grateful for the bishops having spoken a unified voice in the state of Ohio on this question. But you're right. Uh, You know, politics shift and change. The truth of the gospel remains. And so that's what we're anchored in. That's where we stand. Uh, But did uh, I wonder if we just got a preview of your homily for the closing mass for the Vigil for Life just now. 
I'll say some of those things, but I think we really need to understand. I think the, the first reading is we're doing a vote of mass for peace and justice, mm-hmm. and the first reading is taken from uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, uh, a people uh, that is, uh, dwelt in darkness has seen a great light. And again, uh, unto us a child uh, is born, unto us a son is given. Uh, they shall call him a wonder counselor, uh, God hero, father forever, prince of peace. And those words bring us joy and consolation. They're actually the first reading at the Mass of Midnight on Christmas. We've just finished the whole season of accompanying a woman, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who carried a child uh, unexpectedly, but carried the whole life of the world and protected and loved that child. And we see how when the child is born, the whole world rejoices. The angels, the shepherds, the, the magi come from the east, and yet there are all those forces of darkness, like King Herod, who care little for truth, care little for life, but care much for power, who want to destroy life. And so what do we do? We can't really remain indifferent any longer, because silence, is, silence kills, and indifference kills. Indifference says you do not matter, but these women and their children, they matter to us. They're part of our family. They are not a threat to us. Uh, rather, they are our brothers and sisters. And so we want to create uh, a culture of human fraternity, radical solidarity, uh, which was something St. John Paul II uh, knew very much through his experience in Poland, uh, but it's also something that uh, Pope Francis keeps calling us to, as greater human fraternity. And that includes with the unborn child and these women who find themselves in difficult situations. Indeed, and how can we take care of our brothers and sisters if we never get to meet them outside of the womb? It's such a powerful message, and I'm so grateful, Bishop Earl Fernandez of the Diocese of Columbus. You've got the homily for the closing Mass for the Vigil for Life this morning. I am so grateful that you gave us a little bit of time today. We'll let you go, uh, but have a wonderful day, and please know we're praying for and standing with you for life today. We're we're greatly appreciative uh, of, of your prayers. Uh, We appreciate you standing with us uh, for life today. Uh, But I would also add, I invite you, I invite all your listeners, I encourage you in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming months to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Get to work at the pregnancy centers. Get to work in in getting food and clothing for these women. Let them know how much you care for them and create that network of support. Because we marching is, in a way, symbolic. Uh, But actions speak louder than words. And we really need to let people know there is help for you. There is this whole network of support and love and concern for you so that children can really be brought to life. And to say, I will defend the right to life of the unborn child, and I will make these sacrifices for women and their children, is not to do anything heroic. Rather, it's to do our duty. People say, if you want peace, work for justice. Our world is on fire with violence, and we should not be surprised Uh, because we wage war against the unborn child. And yet, at the same time, uh, we have the possibility of truly creating a just society, giving each person God his due, but also the unborn child his due, and establishing firmly the right to life and, and, and the dignity of each and every person born and unborn. All right, with that, I will let you go. Um, Uh, But thank you all uh, for your time this morning. God bless you all. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much, Bishop Fernandez. Have a wonderful day. My goodness. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else you need to get you motivated here. Matt, Uh, I have chills. I mean, we're rocking and rolling here (laughs) for the March for Life. I I wonder if we could bring Paul Lockman in 
on this conversation because Bishop Earl Fernandez is the homilist and uh, celebrant for the vigil, the closing master of the Vigil for Life, but he's also Paul Lockman's childhood pastor at Assumption Catholic Church. Father uh, Fernandez, as you knew him, Paul Lockman, is that what is that what you were used to? On a Sunday morning, when you had Father Fernandez as your pastor, it was uh, really neat. the uh, The short time that he spent with us, it was uh, so cool. the entire uh, The entire school uh, was really behind him. We called it. We chanted Earl the Pearl at the time. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was really yeah. really awesome, and uh, it's so cool to hear him on the on the airwaves today. And uh, and uh, and to really um, really great message. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You know, he said so many things. Uh, you know, you and I, Anna Mitchell, have been banging this drum for who knows how many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to hear a bishop uh, in the Catholic Church say it uh, really, to me, drives it home. That it's it's one thing to defend this on the political level. It's another thing to, like, really understand what people are doing in the trenches yep. at these pregnancy yep. centers. That, what they're really doing to help people get, be given the circumstances to mm-hmm. make the choices that they need to make to support life. Like, to hear a bishop of the church uh, who's going to have a microphone at the actual biggest pro-life demonstration, yeah. <laughs> you know, biggest human rights demonstration in the world. Mm-hmm. To me, that's encouraging. It's so encouraging and so important for us to hear. Like, yes, we can we can talk about it. We can go we can even go march in Washington. But if we aren't doing something about it, if we aren't in there in the trenches, creating this culture of life, helping women in need helping these children. What are we doing? Yeah. And your community, your parish, your local pregnancy center has needs, and it's not that hard to find them. Yep. So help them out. Help them We're out. back with headlines right after this. It's 14 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. EWTN Radio is seeking an assistant to the operations manager in overseeing broadcast content in Radio Master Control. 
This candidate will ensure delivery of our Catholic audio programming while actively monitoring the on-air signals of a number of automated and live playout systems. For all the details about this exciting opportunity, visit EWTN.com and click on Employment at the bottom of the page to be part of Mother Angelica's mission of evangelization. 16 minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Pro-lifers are descending on Washington ahead of the 51st National March for Life, which will have a slightly different route this year. The National Prayer Vigil for Life has been ongoing since last night at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, and pro-lifers are applauding two bills that passed through the House of Representatives yesterday. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I'm still recovering a little bit. I know. Like I, uh, oh man, I got a little, little choked up here in uh, yeah. here in Bishop Earl. So I'm um, so I just want to make sure that we express our sincere and extreme gratitude. To I don't know Bishop if you know. Earl. We've People been don't at- have any idea how many different time slots we tried to get with him, and like <laughs> it just failed. And like just kept failing, he was sorry. Failing, we were failing. sorry. Yeah. And then I just wrote him an email this morning like, hey, if you're up and able to join us right at the beginning of the show, we'd love to have you. Here's the phone number. And we didn't even know as we were going on the air. Like Paul's given me the big thumbs up like as I'm about to start the news. His childhood pastors on the air. It's It's super cool. cool. Super cool. cool. Uh, Well, you know, today, the March for Life, right now it is snowy outside here in the D.C. area. Yeah. Um, Looks like we've got snow showers through a well, it starts to taper off around uh, 1 p.m. At oh, least that's the forecast right after, for now. Right after everything's kind of right after the rally. But it's not going to be crazy cold. I mean, it was that's crazy good. cold earlier in the week in D.C. Yeah. Right now you're hanging around the 30-degree mark, 32. It's like right around freezing. So you want to bundle up. That's 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 doable. Yeah. That is doable. Definitely. So Especially people will be bundled, bundled anyway. Up, wear layers. Um, but if you can get there safely, and I know a lot of people uh, have hotels in the area and are doing metro stops, um, hotels? whatever it is, are you be kidding? Safe. They're sleeping on the floors of parishes. Well, that's Come true. On. Wherever you happen to be, wherever you happen to be sleeping, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, be safe getting down there. But you know, marching in the snow is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It, it can well, be kind of fun. Marching at any point is really fun. The March for Life is such a blast. And I, uh, this is something that I'll bring up in our conversation with Jeannie Mancini a little later this hour, that I think it's so important to just be together like this, um, especially here in Ohio. This is kind of a bittersweet day well, for Well, it's a bittersweet us. day every year. Well, right? that, is, oh, well that is a good point. It's, a, it's true. Um, but in Ohio, especially here, when when voters and it wasn't close, as Bishop Earl said, no. um, enshrined abortion in the Ohio Constitution. And, you know, Teresa Tomio talked about this when it happened in Michigan the year prior and it's happening in other states that it's so easy to twist the truth and um, and to turn. I mean, it, under the auspices of trying to protect women's health, and I put those in scare quotes, Quote unquote, um, yeah. that abortion was enshrined by popular vote. And so while we continue to celebrate the fact that, that Roe v. Wade was overturned, I've said it before and I'll say it again, we're now 
in a divided country, a country that that hasn't been divided like this in terms of human dignity since the time of slavery, where your your legal worth is based on what state you live in. Well, what state your mom lives in. Yeah, what state your mom lives in. Yeah. And it is I mean, it's a it's an exciting time that we have the opportunity to um, to make our states pro-life. Um, but it's but a risk as those. well. We're we're losing, we're losing it. And so well, that's and- what Ken Craycraft is going to be talking about, how we need to we need to step up the messaging game because Absolutely. we have the truth. We just need to be able we have to the communicate whole it. Truth. Yeah. We need to and, be able to communicate it. And not to, you know, do too much of a spoiler on Ken's interview, but Bishop Earl alluded to this too. Like, when we reduce it to a political issue, mm-hmm. when we reduce it to one box you check next to the economy and mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of other issues on a list, well, no wonder we're losing. Our goal is not to merely change a couple laws. Our goal is to change the whole entire culture. culture. Exactly. <laughs> so that's where we're at. Yep. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. The number one enemy of St. Paul is disunity. The separation of Christians from Paul and the separation of Christians from each other is a source of anguish for him. He knows that unity is a difficult thing, as he tells the church at Ephesus. He writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Paul knows that the most annoying thing that Christians have to deal with are the foibles and attitudes of other Christians. All of us are sinners. All of us are redeemed by the blood of Christ. But all of us have our own little annoying things and our own way of doing things that can drive people crazy. We get bounced around and we smooth each other out by learning to serve each other, by being patient with things about the other, and generally coming to love one another despite all of our weaknesses and all of our foibles. As we begin to do this, we begin to live a life worthy of our calling, which is to be Christ for one another, to learn to love one another, to learn to be understanding of one another. And in that, we can be united in Christ with one another. This is what we learn from the heart of St. Paul. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Today is the March for Life, and it's a privilege to have one of the speakers at the rally for the March for Life with us this morning, Jean Marie Davis. She's Executive Director of Branches Pregnancy Resource Center in Vermont. Jean Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. We love highlighting pregnancy resource centers. There are so many of our listeners who are involved with them at the local level uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, But I imagine that people will be a little bit uh, taken aback by the reasons that 
you have gotten involved in this work. I wonder if you could give a little background uh, of your own experience of pregnancy centers that has led you to devote your life to them. Uh, yes. So I was traffic, uh, human trafficked for a uh, little over ooh, 20 years or so, and uh, I was trafficked from the age of 2 to 29. I was trafficked in 23 or 33 different states in the United States, and I was running for my life and trying to get out because uh, I had many pimps and people that wanted to kill my son and also to kill me. And so I ended up at a pregnancy center in New Hampshire, and they helped me um, by saving my son's life, by sharing Jesus with me, and for allowing me to accept Jesus into my heart and to where I was able then to learn that there was something greater um, that I had a purpose in my life, and from that, uh, the woman, Phyllis Phelps, who is the executive director at Branches, uh, that is at um, House of Hope, New Hampshire, she handed me an application to be the executive director at Branches, and so the same woman that saved my life and saved my son's life is the same woman who handed me the application to now save women's lives uh, that are in Brattleboro. That is incredible, and uh, there's a lot more to the story than that, and I can't wait for people to hear uh, what you have to say at the Rally for the March for Life later this morning. Uh, but in, in terms of this question of, of, of human trafficking and all that, like some people might say, how is it even possible for 20-some years for someone to be caught in that system and, and ground down by it? And, and it strikes me that that when we look at the way that, that the culture of death works, it, it builds sort of like things into it that allow uh, for people to use one another, to, to take advantage of one another. And it just drives home to me how important it is for these pregnancy centers to be there to tell somebody who's been through the ringer, uh, perhaps for a lifetime, that they are loved and seen by God. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, like I tell majority of people, it is the, our modern-day slavery. Um, it's very... Uh, underground, and when you are dealing with, uh, for myself, uh, being low self-esteem and being told various things that I wouldn't amount to anything, I had a family member said that I would only um, be married in a pimp and hoe relationship, uh, to know that that was just basically my life. Um, when a man came and said something different, like, oh, you're beautiful, and just constantly shower me with gifts, so to speak, um, there was no reason of leaving. I didn't feel like there was anything better uh, than in the option. So to know that there's, I, I deal with women still today that are caught up in that and dealing with the abuse, uh, mental abuse and physical abuse, and thinking that it's okay, and we have to say, no, uh, it's not, and we're here to do life with you and show you and help you um, and and really connect with you on why your life is better than what it is, what you're living right now. You know, I was talking to a guy recently uh, about his story and how uh, he was trying to follow God's call in his life and decided he was going to go to seminary. And his mom said to him, uh, you know, I, I knew you were going to do something for the church. Uh, and, you know, later he asked her, why'd you know that? And she said, because, you know, at this horrible time in my life, uh, when I was pregnant with you, I considered abortion, but I had this raw moment with God and decided that if, if I chose life, you know, I'd turn the care of you over to, to the Lord. And now this same friend of mine is running a pregnancy center in Pennsylvania for abused women. 
right? Amen. We have no idea of the ripple effects that that generosity, that love can have down the road through generations, do we? No, we don't. But we know that uh, because of Jesus Christ, that our generational curses will be broken and that strongholds will be pulled down. So we know that he will change the narrative of people's lives to where it becomes a God story. Yeah. Jesus' whole deal is changing the narratives of people's lives. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that, is, that is wonderful to hear. Of course, uh, we're talking with Jean Marie Davis, Executive Director of Branches Pregnancy Resource Center in Vermont. Uh, she's going to be speaking at the rally for the March for Life later today. I wonder if you could maybe just put one word of encouragement out there uh, to people to really get them to understand the importance of supporting a pregnancy care center, a pro-life pregnancy care center in their community if they have one. Yes, that at the end of the day, we are dealing with women who are hurting emotionally, mentally, physically, and they are needing a place to where they have, they know that there's support and there's love and that there is a place where we do life with each other, where we actually walk with these women and knowing that there is um, a lifeline for these women when there is no other lifeline for them to have. So please reach out to your pregnancy centers. Please support them and help them because they're on the ground um, doing the, the grunt work to, to keep women uh, alive and children. Well, thank you so much, Jean Marie Davis, Executive Director of Branches Pregnancy Resource Center. We'll have a link in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Appreciate your testimony, your witness, your work, and your love for Christ. Thank you. And again, uh, you can find all the people we talked to uh, here on the Sunrise Morning Show, linked in the sh- uh, show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. I also linked a short testimony from that friend of mine I mentioned during that interview whose mom chose life, and now he runs uh, a shelter for women. <laughs> it's it's incredible the ripple effects that our generosity and our support for the culture of life can have. Again, go check all this stuff out at sunrisemorningshow.com. Uh, we're glad to be part of the kickoff, the pregame, the tailgate party, as it were. For the March for Life, of course, EWTN will be covering it all day long. Teresa Tomio is covering it, and she'll be on with us next hour. It is half past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pro-lifers have been descending on Washington ahead of the 51st National March for Life. And this year, it will be a slightly different route for the marchers. Organizers say in order to mark not only the victory in Dobbs, but also our need to maintain a presence in Washington The march will go past the Capitol and finish between the U.S. Capitol and the U.S. Supreme Court. The National Prayer Vigil for Life has been ongoing since last night at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception ahead of the march today in Washington. Bishop Earl Fernandez of Columbus will be the principal celebrant and homilist at the closing mass this morning. Speaking to the Sunrise Morning Show a little earlier Bishop Fernandez issued a call to action. To say I will defend the right to life of the unborn child and I will make these sacrifices for women and their children is not to do anything heroic. Rather, it's to do our duty. People say, if you want peace, work for justice. Our world is on fire with violence and we should not be surprised uh, because we wage war against the unborn child. And yet, at the same time, we have the possibility of truly creating a just society, giving each person God his due, but also the unborn child his due, and establishing firmly the right to life and and, and the dignity of each and every person born and unborn.
Meanwhile, pro-lifers are applauding two bills that passed through the House of Representatives yesterday. The Susan B. Anthony List reports the Supporting Pregnant and Parenting Women and Families Act ensures that pregnancy centers cannot be discriminated against from receiving temporary assistance for needy families or TANF funding. And the Pregnant Students' Rights Act ensures that colleges connect pregnant students with information about available resources to support their higher education journey while pregnant and parenting. In other news, a Christian advocacy organization, Open Doors, has released its annual global watch list showing that more Christians than ever recorded in the past three decades faced some form of persecution in 2023. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. According to the report, the number of countries recording an extreme level of persecution rose from 11 to 13 since the previous year. Hostile acts including the worst cases, killings, assaults, torture and kidnappings, but also harassment and discrimination. In 2023, the highest rate of persecution was recorded in Asia with two Christians out of five and in Africa with one in five. As has been for years, North Korea appears again as the most hostile place in the world for Christians who have no freedom of worship and even risk death. As for other Asian nations, Yemen, Pakistan, Iran and Afghanistan remain ranked in the top 10 countries, with Pakistan featuring in second position globally for anti-Christian violence. Also appearing in the top 10 are four African nations, including conflict-torn Somalia, Libya and Sudan, and also Nigeria, which remains the deadliest place for Christians to live. Violence only eased during the presidential elections, which accounted for a drop in the number of Christians killed globally as compared to the previous year. On the other hand, 2023 saw a global upsurge in the number of attacks on churches and Christian-run schools, hospitals and cemeteries, which rose seven times. Moreover, destabilization caused by war or extremism, including in sub-Saharan Africa, has exposed Christians to more risk forcing them to flee their homes. Over 295,000 Christians were displaced by conflict last year, more than double 2022's total. I am Lisa Zengarini. President Biden says there will likely be more U.S. strikes against the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels based in Yemen and right now menacing ships in the Red Sea. Biden said the comment before departing from the White House for North Carolina yesterday, the U.S. has targeted command centers and military installations with its strikes against the Houthis carried out with the United Kingdom. This follows the announcement this week that the U.S. will redesignate the Houthis as a terrorist group. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is baptism? Baptism is a sacrament which cleanses us from original sin, makes us Christians, children of God, and heirs of heaven. First, original sin. This is something we have inherited from Adam and Eve, and it removes us from the vision of God. Baptism takes away both original sin that we have inherited and our personal sin. Baptism makes us Christians. It is by baptism that I can say that I am one with Christ, I have died with him, and I hope to rise again with him. It makes me a child of God. Through that spiritual union with God, I can now say that I am like him, an adopted son, and baptism makes me an heir of heaven. Because those who are the sons and daughters of the king, well, they have a right to the kingdom. Let us thank the Lord for baptism and all the graces that it confers upon us. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show, the March for Life pregame show this morning here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. You've got the two hours of the Sunrise Morning Show today. And then immediately following next hour, when we close up shop here on the morning show, you'll be hearing the closing mass for the National Vigil, uh, the National Vigil for Life um, from the Basilica of uh, Oh, my gosh. I need to get my words together. The Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception from Washington, D.C. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you today. It is good to have you. And so we've got the March for Life today, and we pro-lifers rightfully will still commemorate the anniversary of Roe v. Wade on January 22nd because Our work to build a culture of life is far from over, even though Roe v. Wade has been overturned. So, Ken, in an effort to do that, how do you think we should be framing the conversation as pro-lifers? Well, I think that we need to recover our language of Catholic social doctrine rather than the language of American liberalism in order to begin to reframe precisely the culture that you're talking about. When we talk about uh, defending unborn life, as Bishop Fernandez has uh, said, uh, we have to frame it in terms of justice, the, what's due to the human person. And whatever, whatever stage the developing child is in the mother's womb, it's a human person. We can, we can have debates about personhood and things like that, but it's a human person. And, and we don't take the lives of innocent human persons. That's unjust. It's just to protect the life of an unborn human person. And we have a language that will do that. 
Unfortunately, Annie, one of the things that I worry about and that I've written about as recently as this week in our Sunday Visitor is that we tend to frame the defense of unborn life in terms of the so-called, quote, right to life of the unborn child. Now, I want to say before I start criticizing that language, I want to say that people who use that language are some of the greatest defenders of uh, unborn life there are, and not just unborn life, but life in all of its stages. Yeah. It's the it's sort of rights language is sort of the lingua franca of American political discourse. Mm-hmm. So I'm not here to criticize people who use that language, uh, but and who otherwise are heroic defenders of unborn life and and do and have done much more than I do and have done to defend unborn life. So I want to say that very clearly and resoundingly. This is not a criticism of people who use that language. Rather, it's a criticism of the language itself. Uh, In in, in the United States, rights language implies that people have claims against one another. Not that that we have natural obligations toward one another, but rather that we have claims against one another. And in its purest uh, form, in its 100 proof or 200 proof form, I guess you might say, Rights language creates a, a not a community of justice, but a community of conflict, because it, if we if we have a right to everything, that right is not curtailed or transcended by any other principle in in, in liberal political philosophy, and it creates a person, what I call a moral anthropology, of a radically individualist person divorced mm-hmm. from any kind of natural community who asserts those claims against one another without any kind of transcendent rule that governs it. Now, you might say, well, why aren't people uh, killing one another, uh, uh, you know, just at random everywhere, even, you know, far on, on scales of magnitude worse than it is? Well, the reason is, is that we have agreed implicitly in, in, a, in what we sometimes call a social, social contract, contract. Yep. to curtail our rights, but not to surrender them. We curtail them for the purpose of peaceableness. So it's an implicit agreement, Annie, that I won't take your stuff if you don't take my stuff. And as long as as long as we can live peaceably that way, we agree that that's a good policy to hold. But we never surrender our absolute claims to everything. We merely mm-hmm. curtail them for the purpose of peacefulness. My suggestion to you is that might be a uh, that might be a a, a solution uh, for uh, maybe getting along to one another, but it, with one another for a time. But it's not a solution for creating authentic human communities. And as we see over time, it's a language that is actually corrosive of human community. And I think that we see that in the way that we see social life and social conversation in the U.S. continue to deteriorate. That that has an impact on the way that we think about abortion. Because if, if we think if we frame abortion in the context of rights language, then you have a child with a rights claim against its mother, and you have a mother with a rights claim against the child. For the mother, as long as there's no impediment and as long as she's willing to bear that burden, then that's all fine and good. There's no conflict as long as that implicit contract is upheld. But if the mother feels that the right that the child is an undue burden or the child is she doesn't want the child to be to bear the burden of the unborn child, then she exercises her right to destroy that child. And of course, no Right, quote, right to life person believes that she should be able to do that. But we use a language that foments a culture that permits exactly that. And, and that undue burden language is language that I take from the abortion, the line of cases before Roe 
that the courts used in order to justify abortion. If the woman feels that it's an undue burden, then she can exercise her right to kill it. And so, so that's the first, that, that, that's the, I think that, and I, you know, I know that that sounds somewhat quixotic when I, when I talk about this, but I think if we Catholics learn to speak a language of uh, solidarity rather than rights, and that's the beginning of changing the culture of life uh, toward, in a way that would be more hopeful. Absolutely. Do you think that the uh, common good would be better served or do you think that the world, maybe let's put it in most secular language, those who don't know what common good is, do you think the world would be better served in a world where a woman would be supported in all ways that she needs in order to parent and raise a child or a world in which a woman has a right to kill that child because she's worried about her finances or, you know, whatever situation in life she's in, um, which world would be a better world? You know, what's funny about your question, Annie, is that for you and me, it's a loaded question, mm -hmm. but for lots of people, it's not a loaded question at all. It's a legitimate question that people think has 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 two possible legitimate answers. And of course, there's only one possible legitimate answer. But that brings us to another point, and this is what I, another point that I cover in this article on Our Sunday Visitor, and that is that we pro-life Catholics need to also reform our rhetoric and even reform our policy, uh, policy advocacy so that we do support women uh, who are pregnant and women who have young children so that they are more likely to be able to keep their children uh, so that they don't face the financial burdens that often inhibit them from having children or that if they get pregnant financial burdens that make them think that they have no choice but to end that pregnancy uh, and to kill that child. So I think that the, uh, another thing that we need to do in the post-Roe world is reconsider as, uh, as Catholic Christians who are especially pro-life Catholic Christians, and by that I mean Catholic Christians who are more active on the pro-life end of things, mm -hmm. is, to, is to think more uh, proactively about the social costs and the social obligations uh, of helping women to bear children. And that includes beginning with uh, free or even sub free or subsidized uh, uh, birth. Yes. And I know this is a movement that we've read about in the past couple of years, and I think this is something that we really need to think very, very seriously about. Ch the birth of children is a good for the entire community. Amen. And therefore, the entire community has a stake in the births of live healthy children and a stake in taking care of mothers and free or live births. And it's not as expensive as one might think. It's less expensive, for example, than the money that we've sent in the last two years uh, to Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, it's a lot of money, but it's not, it's not money that we cannot afford. And again, I want to root it in the understanding that children serve the common good and healthy mothers serve the common good. Amen. That is to say, as your question put it, they serve us all. And if they serve us all, we should all have an obligation to support them. Amen. I uh, means testing for parents who don't uh, who who are uh, capable of sustaining it themselves. That's fine, but most people aren't. Annie, you know very well that even with very good insurance, the out-of-pocket expense for having a child yep. can run to se several thousands of dollars. You throw in a complication or two, and that can be multiplied. Yes, yeah. it's very hard. And so we need to think hard about not just uh, not just private charity, but government involvement. And, and, and helping young mothers to sustain healthy pregnancies and to have healthy births and yep. to have healthy neonatal care. If they can't afford it, the community, 
who's who benefits to the children Absolutely. serve. Sorry, I got to cut you off because we got to get to Jeannie Mancini here, Ken. Okay. But I really want to encourage folks, go share Ken's article over at our Sunday Visitor. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Ken, it's a conversation. We'll continue, no doubt. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Annie. All right, it's 13 till. Jeannie Mancini's next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Honored to be joined once again by Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life, the busiest woman in Washington today. Good morning, Jeannie. Good morning, Anna. It How is, are you doing? <laughs> I, I am doing great. I'm so grateful that you were able to take the time to be with us this morning. But I'm not going to lie, Jeannie, it has been a tough year for pro-lifers um, mm. in, in several states. The Sunrise Morning Show based here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and abortion has just been recently enshrined into our state constitution by a popular vote. And, you know, some might wonder, you know, why is there still a national march for life after Roe v. Wade was overturned? Um, and I know there are a lot of reasons for that. But honestly, the one that that I am most thinking about today is just there are a lot of people who need to see that they're not alone. Mm. Amen. Amen. That perhaps that that unifying sense and just kind of the largesse of the march is one of the most powerful aspects. That's what people often tell me that, I mean, seeing the sheer volume of people that participate, we are the largest annual human rights demonstration worldwide. And there is something that it just like deep in your heart, you feel so strengthened and steadied in this cause, knowing that, you know, together with all of these people that we will um, bring an end to abortion in, in our lifetime, God willing. God willing. And so for those of us who um, are, well, for those who are listening, who are are headed into D.C. to join you at the march uh, today, what's, what's the schedule? Give us the logistics. I understand there's a, a bit of a new route this year. That's right. Uh, it, it's and so here. Here, this is the second post row march, and so in a post row world, we began a, a new route. And so last year, for the first time, we we went past the Capitol. So I'll back up just a little bit. Um, be sure marchers to dress very warmly yes. today. It is cold out there, and we've had some snow, um, and so it's. Exciting um, weather-wise, but just dress warmly. <laughs> and then um, our first official, we kick off at 11 a.m. with Danny Gokey performing a concert, the Danny Gokey Band, and that goes from 11 
to noon. The rally itself begins right at noon, and we're at 12th Street on the National Mall. That will go an hour, an hour and 15 minutes or so. And then, of course, we do the famous march up Constitution Avenue. Now we turn at 3rd Street and walk past the Capitol there on our left. We then take a left onto Independence Avenue and continue going to 1st Street. And then we take a left onto 1st Street and we finish with the Capitol on our left and the Supreme Court on our right. Hitting all the major jurisdictions That's in awesome. D.C. We also passed the Department of Health and Human Services oh, on our way where there's lots one. of things happening there, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. And for those that don't know the layout of Washington, D.C., and maybe that was a little confusing with directions, uh, they've got all of that information over at the March for Life website, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Um, Let's talk about the federal level when it comes to pro-life issues, Jeannie. I mean, what is still on the table from a national standpoint? Yeah. So, well, even today, we should have two votes, two pro-life votes that are essentially helping um, moms that are either in college or who, sadly, who's the dads are not paying Um, child support. And so we're doing some different things, very creative and very much in line with our theme with every woman for every child. So so those are some of the things just happening this week on the Hill. But uh, we're always in, you know, the business of fighting to protect funding from abortion spending. And it's my strong hope that soon we'll also be Um, successful in the battle to protect life at the national level, whether that's a 15-week ban or even better, um, a little earlier in development. Um, We'll work for the day when when abortion is unthinkable and that the laws will reflect the inherent dignity of all human persons from the moment of conception. But today, we're fighting more for the funding battles, etc. Yeah, and and fighting for women. I mean, there is mm-hmm. the the message of the march this year. I think is so powerful and so needed. Absolutely, with every woman for every child. So we choose a different theme every year. We've had pro life is pro science. We've had unique from day one. Um, we've had adoption is a noble decision. And so every year there's kind of a sub theme. But this year it's with every woman for every child, which is of course kind of the, you could say, the heart of what the pro-life movement is about. We want both mom and the baby to flourish. Um, But we're also going to take the opportunity to tell the wonderful, pretty much untold story of pregnancy care centers around the country, over 3,000 of them, and maternity homes, over 400 of them around the country. And collectively, these maternity homes and centers provide so many resources and save lives. Yeah. They really do. And so as we let you go, Jeannie, because I know you've got a lot to do, you know, something I keep telling listeners and and myself, actually, um, is that, yes, it stings when we lose at the voting booth. But just because abortion is legal does not mean that women have to choose it. For themselves. And and this really is at the heart of the matter, isn't it? Building up a culture of life. Oh, definitely. Listen, we shouldn't be daunted. We've had a massive victory in the last few years with the overturn of Roe, um, a 50-year uh, in the making victory. And uh, I know we've had some tough, especially in Ohio, we've had some tough knocks this year. But 
that uh, is okay. We are going to keep persevering, and we know that this battle is already won in the end. We know who the victor is, and that's one of the reasons why we march, by the way, at the national level and at our state level. We love doing that second annual Ohio March for Life this year. So um, don't be discouraged and don't be daunted. We just we need to continue representing the moms and the babies in the public square, praying, fasting, helping these pregnancy care centers, and really doing whatever God is calling each of us uniquely to do to build a culture of life. But we will win. Yeah, we absolutely will. We know the outcome of all of this. God will win in the end with the culture of life. And so, Jeannie, uh, as we let you go, uh, remind listeners how they can get in touch with the March for Life, find out all the information about today's march, and then also support the great work that you do. Mm. Check us out at marchforlife.org, marchforlifeaction.org, and all of the information, all the different social media um, outlets that we're on and the ways that you can find out, you know, different information, the ways that you can give to the march, all that. That's all on there. State March Program, National March, all the events today. So check us out at marchforlife.org. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. So excited to watch all of the coverage today, Jeannie, and please be assured of our prayers for a wonderful march and that you all can stay, you know, somewhat warm. Thanks so much for joining (laughs) us this morning. Thanks for having me, Anna, and I covet those perks. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And we got another hour of the March for Life pregame show here on the Sunrise Morning Show for most of our affiliates. Hope you can stay with us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. We are the pregame, the tailgate party for the March for Life. And we are glad you're with us. We're praying for you, and let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray for all those who pray before abortion clinics, who march for life, or who witness to the rights of all human beings, that God might strengthen them and guide them. We pray to the Lord. We pray for those who long for the equality of all persons, that their dedication to the unborn, the old, the condemned, the forgotten may grow every day. We pray for all who work for an end to abortion, that they may, may be strengthened by prayer, that God may reward them for their goodness. We pray for all who teach the gospel of life, they may be driven by love. Who all, for all who defend life, God may reward them for their faithfulness. And may God reward all who try to live in the service of of the culture of life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Friday morning. Many of you are getting ready to demonstrate in some way to give a public witness for the cause of life, wherever you happen to be. Some of you are doing it locally. Some of you are doing it in the Washington, D.C. metro area, perhaps preparing to descend on the National Mall. If so, uh, we're praying for you. Actually, we're praying for you no matter where you happen to be. And we are glad to be along with you for this journey. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. 
Uh, coming up here right after the news, Bobby Schindler will be along from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. We'll also catch up. <coughs> <clears throat> Pardon me. Catch up with Thomas Glessner from the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates. Uh, Teresa Tamio, I think, I think we're going to be able to catch up with Teresa Tamio at some point this hour. Also, Father Jonathan Duncan to reflect on the mass readings for today for the March for Life. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news, a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. As Matt said, pro-lifers descending on Washington ahead of the 51st National March for Life today, which will have a slightly different route from years past. Organizers say in order to mark not only the victory in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, but also our need as pro-lifers to maintain a presence in Washington, marchers will be going past the U.S. Capitol and finish between the Capitol and the U.S. Supreme Court. The National Prayer Vigil for Life, meanwhile, has been ongoing since last night at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception ahead of today's march. Bishop Earl Fernandez of Columbus will be the principal celebrant and homilist at the closing mass a little later this morning. Speaking to the Sunrise Morning Show earlier this morning, Bishop Fernandez gave a little preview of what he'll be saying in his homily. And we see how when the child's born, the whole world rejoices, the angels, the shepherds. The, the Magi come from the East, and yet they're all those forces of darkness, like King Herod, who care little for truth, care little for life, but care much for power, who want to destroy life. And so what do we do? We can't really remain indifferent any longer, because silence, is, silence kills, and indifference kills. Indifference says you do not matter, but these women and their children, they matter to us. Meanwhile, pro-lifers are applauding two bills that passed through the House of Representatives yesterday. The Susan B. Anthony List reports the Supporting Pregnant and Parenting Women and Families Act ensures that pregnancy centers cannot be discriminated from receiving temporary assistance for needed family or TAMP funding. The Pregnant Students' Rights Act ensures that colleges connect pregnant students with information about resources that will support their higher education journey while pregnant and also parenting. In other news, Christian advocacy organization Open Doors has released its annual global watch list showing that more Christians than ever recorded in the past three decades faced some form of persecution in 2023. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. According to the report, the number of countries recording an extreme level of persecution rose from 11 to 13 since the previous year. Hostile acts including the worst cases, killings, assaults, torture and kidnappings, but also harassment and discrimination. In 2023, the highest rate of persecution was recorded in Asia with two Christians out of five and in Africa with one in five. As has been for years, North Korea appears again as the most hostile place in the world for Christians who have no freedom of worship and even risk death. As for other Asian nations, Yemen, Pakistan, Iran and Afghanistan remain ranked in the top 10 countries, with Pakistan featuring in second position globally for anti-Christian violence. Also appearing in the top 10 are four African nations, including conflict-torn Somalia, Libya and Sudan, and also Nigeria, which remains the deadliest place for Christians to live. 
violence only eased during the presidential elections, which accounted for a drop in the number of Christians killed globally as compared to the previous year. On the other hand, 2023 saw a global upsurge in the number of attacks on churches and Christian-run schools, hospitals and cemeteries, which rose seven times. Moreover, destabilization caused by war or extremism, including in sub-Saharan Africa, has exposed Christians to more risks, forcing them to flee their homes. Over 295,000 Christians were displaced by conflict last year, more than double 2022's total. I am Lisa Zengarini. And more cold weather is on the way after a relatively warm Thursday across much of the U.S. Highs across Texas will be in the 30s and 40s today, while dangerous cold could sweep over the north central plains and upper Midwest through the weekend. Daytime highs in the central U.S. could be as much as 30 degrees below normal. The cold air will hit the east coast by Saturday, by tomorrow, which means that today, Matt, it may not be too bad in D.C. for our marchers. Well, it's not too bad temperature-wise. It's a little snowy. Yeah. So be ready for that. Have your boots. Build Don't your wear your tennis. Snowman on the National Mall. Your tennies are going to get. Oh yeah, your tennies are going to get all wet if you your wear bean them. boots. Yeah, wear your boots. Whatever you got going. Uh, yeah, it's a little snowy, but it's doable. It's doable. It is very doable. I can tell you right now that Bobby Schindler from uh, the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network is on the line. He's been to a lot of marches for life. It's been colder, Bobby. You've marched in colder conditions than this, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, without a doubt, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's been bitterly cold. And, and on the other end, we've, we've been here where it's been in the 40s and 50s, too. That's so, true. Um, you never know what you're going to get in D.C. <laughs> That's abs- Well, you never know what you're going to get in D.C. on a number of levels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, some people might be surprised that we're talking to you today uh, because you work with the medically vulnerable Often um, adults or teenagers or children who have suffered traumatic brain injuries or for whatever reason, um, you know, have been out and walking around in the world and something's happened to them and their right to life is being threatened. Uh, Some people might wonder, why are you involved in the March for Life, which is focused on the unborn? Uh, What would you say to kind of complete that picture? Well, we talk about it uh you know, we talked about it before, uh, Matt, and I think we'd be fooling ourselves if we would say that the abortion issue has not somehow impacted uh, the, the medical advocacy that, that we are confronted with uh, pretty much every day in our culture today. So we came here during Terry's case, and Nellie Gray uh, recognized the, the expanding uh, assisted suicide and euthanasia issue. So she actually had us go up on stage and speak a few words to what, happened, what, what was happening to Terry, uh, warning people, you know, putting people on notice that, hey, look, it's just not about abortion. Uh, people like Terry and other medically vulnerable uh, uh, individuals are also uh, being killed. But, but Matt, we, we have half a century now of devaluing the life of the unborn child, and look how much it's expanded as far as uh, permission, you know, permitting abortion uh, really where it's right up into uh, moments before birth where you're you're uh, permitted to, to kill a child. And if we think that that hasn't impacted the way people think, people, uh, uh, even those that are right, that are going to medical school, and, and they've had all this desensitizing uh, our culture to the value of life, 
uh, again, I think uh, if you don't think that that spills over and devalues the life of, of those that are physically disabled and, and the elderly and how we treat them, uh, then, then you don't understand this issue and, and why we fight so hard to recognize the dignity of the human person. Well, why don't we speak to those people directly right now? Because we have spent a lot of time today talking about, you know, the uh, average parishioner, <laughs> you know, in an average Catholic parish who has an opportunity and uh, almost certainly the means to support a mom in crisis who could come to their parish to make sure they got a car seat, they got a stroller, they got diapers, they got everything they need, they got friends to babysit, they got all that stuff. Parishes need to have those things. But... Uh, we haven't spoken, I don't think, enough to those people who are either in the medical profession now or are thinking about going into medicine. And maybe there are some people out there who are afraid to go into medicine because they feel like they might be confronted with some ethical choices that they're not sure about. Like, what would you say uh, from your experience at the Life and Hope Network to encourage people who feel called to the field of medicine to really pursue that and really bring their faith and their understanding of the culture of life to bear on that profession, based, again, on what you know from what you've experienced uh, from dealing with doctors who don't get that? Yeah, gosh, Matt, that's such a difficult question to ask. There's so many moving parts and there's so many dynamics that are affecting this issue. There's so much confusion that exists in our culture. We have some extremely powerful forces, institutions that, that are all working against us, Matt, that are, that are using language, that are using fear tactics to do everything we can to scare us into uh, caring for those that need the type of care that is required sometimes for the people that are, that are really, that, that need constant care. Uh, it's, a, it's a different issue, in a sense, from, from, the, uh, from the abortion issue uh, because you have someone many times that, that, is, that are physically disabled and, and need 24-hour care, and then you have doctors and others telling you, using the same language that they use to, to kill a child, you know, it's going to affect your finances, um, you know, you have to dedicate your life to caring for this person, you know, all the same fear tactics that they use um, to try and persuade people uh, to, to end the life of a human being. Uh, it all starts with education, Matt. You know, we, we, we need help tremendously from our leaders in the Catholic Church to clarify and remind people the value and the dignity of life and, 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 how, we tr- and how, we can, how we treat uh, a person and the, you know, rationalize and killing them is of grave harm to, to ourselves. Uh, you, you know, I think it's all just, a, the, you know, I know it sounds just... just um, uh, Perhaps I'm overgeneralizing, but it really starts with education, uh, un- understanding the issue. Uh, because if we don't understand the issue, uh, we're not going to understand how it impacts and how we're required uh, to-, to care for these individuals. I-, I-, I don't really know a good answer for that, Matt, because there's-, there's just so much going on and there's so much that are working against us. As you know, I mean, we deal with it every day on some of the other issues in our culture today. And, and, our- and-, and we just see so many people that are being fooled in the trick and tricked into justifying uh, ending a person's life when, when in reality, uh, we should be doing everything we can to preserve and protect life. Uh, and I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for you. Uh, well, uh, if I had a better answer, I would have said it myself. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, this yeah. is the battle. This is the battle. And you mentioned that term, quality of life. How many times do you hear it on a daily basis in your work uh, with people who are medically vulnerable? How many times do people... 
um, who are pregnant and hear a, a prenatal diagnosis from their doctor, hear the words quality of life and be encouraged to, toward abortion. I mean, it is a thing that ranges from womb to tomb that we've got to battle all the time. Uh, but I want to end on a positive note, if that's okay. What are you looking forward to the most about the March for Life this year? Uh, I think as I do every year, uh, Matt, is just connecting and seeing old friends that have been in this battle much longer than me. And, uh, and just it, it really does help to inspire and encourage when you see so many like-minded people that are all working towards the same goal, essentially, uh, and, and just speaking with them and knowing that they're out there. Really, you don't see them every day, but they're standing alongside you, and, and you know that they're there fighting for you. And it's good just to see them, even if it is once a year, uh, just all the wonderful and, and people that are just dedicated to preserving preserving and protecting life. So I think more than anything, it's just seeing, seeing all those pro-lifers and uh, people out there that, that are doing what you're trying to do and, and, and helping our, our most vulnerable. Well, it is very easy when you are the only one in a room with an elderly, elderly or disabled loved one or when you are you know, dealing with a crisis in your own life and your own family to feel like you're the only people in the world who are dealing with this and the, that there's not any support. But tune on to EWTN today. You will see there are lots and lots, thousands upon thousands of people who want to to support you and who believe as you do. Thank you, Bobby Schindler from lifeandhope.com. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. All right, it's a quarter past. we got headlines next. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for Wings, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the Wings link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your Wings today. 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pro-lifers are descending on Washington, D.C., the 51st National March for Life taking place a little later today. 
The National Prayer Vigil for Life has been ongoing since last night at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. And pro-lifers are applauding two bills that just passed through the House of Representatives yesterday. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And I just want to echo some stuff that's been said by Ken Craycraft and Bishop Earl Fernandez and Bobby Schindler and a few other people along the way this morning. Mm-hmm. And that is that we need to not treat abortion like one box that you check on a list of political interests. Yep. But as the anchor for an overhaul of the culture (laughs) so that we can go from a culture of death to a culture of life. I don't know if people have been picking up on this, but this is a theme that we've been trying to really get into on the Sunrise Morning Show to help people understand that abortion is not one issue among many. It's not one box on a list that you check whether you feel yay or nay about it, but it is an anchor for a larger picture of what it means to be Catholic and understand what a human being even is. So, uh, I mean... I'm I'm banging a drum. We've banged a lot here, Anna mm-hmm. Mitchell, but I know it's one that you and I talk about all the time off the air and are trying to be very intentional about on the air. Well, absolutely. It's all about having a Catholic worldview. And so yeah. we we must, must, must stand up for the unborn and their mothers because this is the front line of the culture of life. I mean, there is no if, ands, or buts about it. Being born, there's nothing else that even matters in the conversation. Exactly. And that's why I think uh, I, I, if listeners didn't hear our conversation last hour with Ken Craycraft, I really want to encourage you to go read his piece over at our Sunday Visitor. In fact, he's got a book coming out uh, in the next couple of months. I'm not exactly sure when the publication date is on this issue. You and I are bo- of, both about to get a text. I know. Yeah, yeah, he'll tell us in a second. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's listening still. Um, but this this point that we've got to learn the correct language here. Um, if if we continue to follow using the language of the culture, it's going to be harder and harder to make a good argument. We have the truth. We have the unfailing truth of the dignity of the human person and the dignity of, of life from conception to natural death. But we've got to use the right language to help we others understand the truth. we got to figure out how to say it. Think about all the crazy stuff that's happened in the culture and how has it happened? Because the we people gave into the language <laughs> have decided to figure out what the language ought to be. And the changing of the language has changed that. Mm-hmm. So we got to figure out how do we figure out our language to promote the culture of life. Go read Ken's By the way, piece. Ken says it's March 11th. It's 21 past. Your mornings make you want to stay in bed. It's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, 
Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. Pray with me now the praises of Mary by St. Anthony of Padua. The praises of Mary. Oh, how wondrous is the dignity of the glorious Virgin. She merited to become the mother of him who is the strength and beauty of the angels and the grandeur of all the saints. Mary was the seat of our sanctification, that is to say, the dwelling place of the Son who sacrificed himself for us. And I shall glorify the place where my feet have stood. The feet of the Savior signify his human nature. The place where the feet of the Savior stood was the Blessed Virgin Mary who gave him his human nature. Today the Lord glorifies that place since he has exalted Mary above the choirs of the angels. That is to say, the Blessed Virgin, who was the dwelling of the Savior, has been assumed bodily into heaven. Amen. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along for the March for Life pregame show, which when we go off the air here on the morning show at the end of this hour, you'll be hearing the closing mass for the National Prayer Vigil for Life out of Washington, D.C. as EWTN will be having wall-to-wall coverage, as they like to say in the business, um, of the March for Life. Teresa Tamia will be joining us in a little bit, too, to uh, give us a bit of a preview of what all she's planning with the TV coverage. Joining us right now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Thomas Glessner, founder and president of NIFLA, the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates. Thomas, it's so good to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This is quite a joy. I'm in Washington, D.C. right now. The snow's coming down. I'm in the backseat of a taxi cab headed for Constitution Hall, where nice. we have a prayer service scheduled. And <laughs> so That's I'm going awesome. to take this interview from the taxi cab. I hope I hope I can be heard well. Absolutely. You sound loud and clear as of right now. And we're so grateful for you to take the time to be with us for a few minutes. Uh, NIFLA, for folks who are not familiar with uh, the great work that you do, it's an organization supporting pro-life pregnancy centers, all over the United States. And I'm sure that you are quite enthused, Thomas, uh, because the rally on the National Mall today will have a particular focus on highlighting the the incredible and important work of pro-life pregnancy centers. Um, uh, am I right? Are you, are you excited about the rally today? Well, I'm always excited to come to D.C. This is an annual event that I participate in, but particularly so uh, today. NIFLA has 1,770 members nationwide, pro-life pregnancy centers. Of those, 1,400 are medical clinics providing wow. ultrasound and some, some great medical services. NIFLA is a legal organization providing legal counsel, uh, legal audits, legal training, uh, help with fundraising, uh, legal bulletins. And so we're, we're the largest network of pregnancy centers in the United States. And we're, we're known for two, two things. First of all, our legal legal uh, division received a major victory in the Supreme Court in the case of Nifa versus Sarah a few years ago, yep. uh, protecting pregnancy centers. And then we've we've got some cases going now. We had a huge victory in Illinois this this fall. We're expecting more this year. Uh, then we have our medical clinic side where we've trained six thousand uh, 
medical healthcare professionals and the implementation was called limited obstetric ultrasound uh, to put into pro-life pregnancy centers that are medical. So that's basically who we are. Yeah, and folks might be just really surprised at how much work you have to do um, from the, the legal side of things. And I know that there was a fairly recent victory in Illinois. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a huge victory in Illinois. Of course, the, the secular media doesn't want to report on it. <clears throat> but the Illinois legislature had passed a bill, SB 1909, it was highly restrictive of, uh, of uh, the advertising of the pro-life centers or the free speech, gave the uh, state attorney general, who's uh, very much of a progressive liberal hater of pregnancy centers, uh, the, the discretion to go against pregnancy centers and fine them up to $50,000 for what he or she deemed, to he right now, yeah. deems to be deceptive advertising. So uh, just to give you an example of that, um, they claim that a pregnancy center that tells a, a mother considering abortion uh, that you, your unborn baby is alive and a separate entity, that's deceptive advertising and misinformation that needs to be stopped. Uh, the, uh, uh, most of these centers are Christian-oriented, and they share the gospel uh, a witness for the bill was asked, uh, well, would uh, telling someone that uh, uh, that Jesus is the Savior and can help you in your life, is that deceptive advertising? And they didn't answer that. They just said, well, we'll take that up on a case-by-case basis. So this thing would have been devastating and destroyed us, but we got a, we immediately, almost immediately, out of the box, we got a preliminary injunction, and now the state has agreed to a permanent injunction, and they've yes. agreed to an order... Uh, paying the attorney fees as well. So it was a huge victory wow. knocking down Illinois' efforts to close down these centers. And that's no small feat in a state like Illinois. But I know there are other cases that you are still fighting around the country. Can you give us a little rundown of, of what we should be watching for and praying about for you? We have another case from Illinois. In uh, 2017, they passed a bill that mandates abortion referrals for all doctors, regardless of the things about... Um, by the way, I'm pulling up to Constitution Hall. This wonderful taxi driver is just very patient, and he's got work to do. I mean, if you need to pay go. him, go ahead. I can filibuster no, I, for you for a minute. <laughs> I, I, I told him I'm going to finish this interview and just keep the meter running. So, oh, okay. Well, we I, won't keep you very long then. We don't want to. We yeah. don't want you overcharged. Well, but I want to get the story out. I want to yeah. get the story out. So, um, uh, so, so, and I'm sorry. Uh, where, where was I? Help well, me you were that. talking about I... Illinois and uh, a okay, case right, involving right, doctors. Right. Yeah. 2017, they passed this bill mandating abortion referrals by doctors, every doctor, regardless of how their feelings on abortion. Uh, now, NIFLA ha- has 81 centers in Illinois that are medical clinics. To be a medical clinic, you've got to have a licensed physician as your medical director. So in essence, this bill, if enforced, would turn pro-life pregnancy centers into abortion referral agencies. So we sued immediately and got a preliminary injunction, which was good. But the case has been sitting since uh, 2017. Wow. We went to trial uh, in September here, and we're expecting a ruling uh, fairly soon. The good news is the judge who gave us a preliminary injunction in the first case in Illinois was a trial judge on this one. 
We're nice. very optimistic that we're going to win this one, too, on, on free speech grounds. Awesome. Uh, the case of Nifa versus Becerra, uh, where it was based on free speech grounds, the, the government can't force praying to centers to say something that they don't believe in, mm-hmm. which they're trying to do with doctors here. We're yeah. expecting a huge victory of that, and I, I suggest that keep your eyes on that, because uh, this, if we win, which I believe we're going to, that's a one-two knockout punch, and the state of Illinois is, is on the canvas for the 10 count. Yeah. If we lose, I don't expect it, but if we lose, we appeal it, and we will win on appeal because of our case of Nifla versus Becerra. So I'm very optimistic about this. That other cases against the state of, uh, of Vermont uh, that's being filed, New York, New Jersey, uh, we've got problems up in, in Minnesota. But the one thing I'll say about all this, and I'm talking fast, I know, is that the states where we're having problems in are radically far left, blue, progressive states. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, if we win in Illinois uh, on this one, we've knocked, knocked one out, and the other states are going to look at this and say, well, maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, be doing this. We're going to get sued and have to pay attorney fees. So hopefully it'll be the first domino to fall out of many. I don't want to keep you any longer, but if listeners want to check out and read up more about these cases, Thomas Glessner, how can they get more information from NIFLA? NIFLA, N-I-F-L-A dot org. NIFLA, N-I-F-L-A dot org. You go through our website. There's lots of information there. Awesome. We'd love to hear from people and, and uh, keep people advised. And please, you guys, feel free to call us to get updates. Absolutely. And we've got NIFLA linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Please thank your taxi cab driver for his patience. Okay. And uh, thank there. you. He's, thank he's you a for, good guy. <laughs> thank you for uh, spending a few extra dollars on the taxi fare to talk to us here on the Sunrise Morning Show, Thomas. Really appreciate okay. it. Well, God bless, and thank you for uh, being supportive of our work. You Take bet. Care. You bet. Praying for you. All right. It's uh, 32 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. As we've been reporting, pro-lifers descending on Washington, D.C., ahead of the 51st National March for Life later today, which will have a slightly different route, marching past the U.S. Capitol and finishing between the Capitol building and the U.S. Supreme Court. Among the speakers at the rally are former NFL tight end Ben Watson, U.S. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, as well as Jean Marie Davis, who joined us on the Sunrise Morning Show last hour, who was saved from human trafficking thanks to the help of a pro-life pregnancy center and now runs one in Vermont. The National Prayer Vigil for Life has been ongoing since last night at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception ahead of the march today. Bishop Earl Fernandez of Columbus will be the principal celebrant and homilist at the closing mass. Speaking to the Sunrise Morning Show earlier this morning, Bishop Fernandez gave a little preview of what he'll be saying in the homily. And we see how when the child is born, the whole world rejoices. The angels, the shepherds, the, the magi come from the east. And yet there are all those forces of darkness like King Herod who care little for truth, care little for life, but care much for power, who want to destroy life. And so what do we do? We can't really remain indifferent any longer because silence, is, silence kills, and indifference kills. Indifference says you do not matter. But these women and their children, they matter to us. They're part of our family. They are not a threat to us. Uh, rather, they are our brothers and sisters. And so we want to create a, a culture of human fraternity, radical solidarity, uh, which was something St. John Paul II uh, knew very much through his experience in Poland, uh, but it's also something that 
uh, Pope Francis keeps calling us to, is greater human fraternity. And that includes with the unborn child and these women who find themselves in difficult situations. And so he issued a call to action. To say I will defend the right to life of the unborn child and I will make these sacrifices for women and their children is not to do anything heroic. Rather, it's to do our duty. People say, if you want peace, work for justice. Our world is on fire with violence, and we should not be surprised uh, because we wage war against the unborn child. And yet, at the same time, we have the possibility of truly creating a just society, giving each person God his due, but also the unborn child his due, and establishing firmly the right to life and, and, and the dignity of each and every person born and unborn. Bishop Earl Fernandez of Columbus will be the principal principal celebrant and homilist at the National Vigil for Life Closing Mass, which takes place just after the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. The If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. If you like statistics, here are a few interesting ones about the Bible. You may know that the Old Testament contains 46 books, but did you know that within those books there are 1,070 chapters and almost 28,000 verses. The New Testament, by comparison, contains nearly 8,000 verses. The Psalms are by far the longest book in the Old Testament, but then comes Sirach with 1,300 verses nearly, followed closely by Jeremiah, and Isaiah places forth with 1,200 verses. In the New Testament, the longest book is Luke, with 1,151 verses. And the briefest book in the Bible is the second letter of John, with just 13 verses. As interesting as these statistics might be, the most important thing to remember is that these verses, whether we count them in the thousands or just one by one, all serve as a window to God. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. Well, it would not be EWTN's national, annual, actually international annual coverage of the March for Life if Teresa Tamio wasn't there, cold but dressed well. Teresa Tamio, how are you? <laughs> cold and dressed like the Michelin Man. Oh, my goodness. All I have right. three pairs of socks on, long underwear, two shirts. And then we have these brand new, very cool EWHN jackets, these waterproof jackets that they got for us. So we are good to go. Wait, they, I, I haven't gotten one of those. Well, we, I can work on that Tom for you. Tom Price, get me one of those jackets. Come on. Now. Okay. Come on. All right. I need, we'll a, do. I need one of those bomber jackets so I can ride my uh, scooter down the street with the EWTN logo on the back. <laughs> In Italy, we call those Vespas, not scooters. There you go. 
There yeah. you go. Okay, so, uh, Teresa, there are a bunch of things we could talk to you about this morning, but you've got the ears of a bunch of people who are at the Continental Breakfast right now or on a bus somewhere outside of Breezewood, right. PA, uh, heading towards the march. I want you to give them a pep talk to get them ready because it's snowy. I looked outside my window here in the D.C. metro. It might be a little dicey out there, a little cold, a little whatever. What can you do to let people know that they gotta they got to be on their game today? Oh, it's it's going to be great. And you know what? It's it, just get out there, have a great time, smile, be joyful, encourage each other, and just be careful. It might be a little slippery, but as long as you have good boots on, and as long as you're dressed warmly with gloves and a hat, you'll be fine. And it's just such a great opportunity to be with so many like-minded folks and just have a great time and meet new pro-life friends. That's what I would say. But go out there, be joyful, be a great witness, and just light up the town and melt all the snow. Indeed, indeed. All right, so you've got a lot going on. This is one right. of those fun times because, I mean, you've you've got that sort of street reporter background. How much fun is this for you because you've got a mix of stuff today. you got the stuff that you plan to talk about and then the stuff that's just going to happen. <laughs> so, I mean, how does that excite you as somebody who gets to report on this story from, from both a planned perspective and a spontaneous perspective? Because you're going to meet all kinds of people today. Yeah, I actually like the spontaneous perspective much better because it allows you to react to what's going on at the moment. You know, we stand there in the morning. We do have it pre-scheduled because the rally doesn't start till noon. So we do have a lot of great interviews lined up. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to be focusing on the theme this year, which is for every woman with every child. So we're going to be focusing a lot on pregnancy resource centers, of course. But And that's awesome. But I love going out onto the streets and talking to people and just looking for maybe a, a family or looking for a different group, maybe from another country or a college, and just to see why the people make the effort. And I don't know of any other movement that has been doing something so amazing, so large for so many years. We've been at this for, this is a 52nd March for Life, if you think about it, in two years since Dobb was overturned. So it's, it's quite an important, and being an election year, it's quite an important event. But I love it, and it's so different. I was just talking to Tracy Sabaugh, of course, the anchor for EW10 News Nightly, and we were sharing horror stories from our days in secular media and how everyone is so nice in Catholic media. No one's screaming at you. No one's using bad language, you know, when they're talking to you in your earpiece. It's just a, a wonderful place to work. And then on top of it, when you're at the March for Life, People are so nice. If you bump into somebody, they say, oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so it's a whole different atmosphere than covering a horrible murder story or a fire or being in, a, in an ugly situation, which is what you do quite often when you're on the street five days a week as, as a street reporter. But I'm so grateful for all that experience because all that experience helps me do what I'm doing today, both on the radio and when I cover this wonderful event. But it's it's just such a joy even though we know what we're what we're talking about, you know, the evils of abortion, it's joyful to see so many people who are willing to come down and stand up for life. All ages, all different groups from all parts, not only the country, but this is a March for Life, the big one. Of course, we have the Walk for Life West Coast tomorrow. We've had one in Life LA. We have the one in San Diego, and, and Chicago has one now. We have one up in uh, Ottawa in May. But this is this is the big one, and people come from all over the world. Well, not to get too hardcore into the metaphysics of all this. But God is the creator. He is the positive. All exists because of him. And at the end of each day of creation, he says it is good. At the end of the sixth day when he creates human beings, he says it is very good. The Mm -hmm. devil creates nothing. He detracts. He distracts. He destroys. And so uh, as people who are trying to uphold the culture of life, we have the positive high ground. Now, granted, there are temptations Mm -hmm that you and I have all the time. I mean, there are things that we have to condemn, things that we have to say no to. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the pro-life message, 
uh, it's built right into the word, right? Pro, mm-hmm. right? We're for something. We're not merely against something. And I think, I mean, I don't know if this is your experience, but I think that's why this is set apart from a lot of other different kinds of movements. We're not just merely saying, don't do this, don't do that. We're saying, right. say yes to this. And that's the thing. We say yes to life. And I remember Benedict XVI, remember the quote he said, we can't look at the Ten Commandments and God's church teaching as a no we have to look at it a big yes to love and life. And I was just listening to a clip that Dr. Ray Grendy had uh, when I was uh, coming down here to the offices yesterday, and he was talking about when you say yes to God and no to yourself, how a whole new life opens up. And that's exactly the story after story we hear, especially if we interview a mom who was in a difficult situation and didn't know if she should uh, keep her child and or you know place it with an adoptive family or, God forbid, have an abortion. And the women who, even if they, they do make the beautiful choice of placing it with an adoptive family, but those who, even at younger ages, when they decide to take that risk that everybody tells them is a mistake, it ends up being the best blessing is in that baby. So there's beautiful stories. There's people who've left professions uh, in the medical world to open up OBGYN pro-life clinics, such great stories of, of how that yes is joyful. So, yeah, we have, to, we have to call things out. We have to be strong. But you can't get stuck in negativity because that can eat away at you, then, then you're not effective in witnessing, because who wants to be around someone who's a Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy Pants all the time? So it, it, you have to have a balance. So that's why this, this event is so great. Well, all I can say is, if your worldview view appears to make you miserable, why would anybody else want to join you in it? Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. But if your worldview yeah. is life-giving and brings joy and is nurturing and creates community, <laughs> then sign me up. And that, to me, is like the the one of the most compelling things about this annual event. I love it. I mean, I, I, despite the weather, I mean, it can get a little rough out there and we get a little chilly, but overall, just, just seeing so many people, it's it just, it's an incredible thing to be on the ground. And I love watching while I'm waiting for my next live shot to come up. You know, I'll have my people with me getting ready to do an interview, but I love seeing all the different representations and all the high school kids and the beautiful images. The imagery, I really want to encourage people. I know you can listen on the radio. We are simulcasting, but if you could also get at least some of the TV coverage because they run a constant stream of the march and the imagery, so many beautiful images of Our Lady and Jesus and the saints and all these young people and marching bands. And it's just, it really is quite a beautiful thing in our nation's capital. Well, I love seeing the time-lapse one that they do usually. I love that. That's great. uh, Where you can sort of see like all the people go through in like one minute, like super sped up. And it gives you a sense of the scale because a lot of people feel alone, right? And I I just want to put the reminder out there that you're going to see a lot of people visibly um, on EWTN's TV coverage. You're going to hear a lot of people on the March for Life coverage on EWTN radio. But there are a lot of people who are doing stuff behind the scenes who will never be on radio who will never be recognized publicly, who you may not even know the names of in your own parish, who are making heroic decisions, and just want to encourage anybody who's in that situation, you may not feel like anybody sees you or knows what you're doing, but some of us do, and we are yep. grateful for you. Absolutely, and I always thank my crew uh, behind the scenes. So it was the producers, uh, the guys in the truck who are running all the audio, Jody, our director, Fred, who's down here at W 10 headquarters, uh, my producer, Robert Bush, even Deacon Dom, who's helping me out today. He's going to be one of my bodyguards and grabbing interviews. Not that I need bodyguards. I'm being hard, you I know, would not I'm being mess with you if Deacon Dom's in the building. <laughs> He'll just throw holy on. water at people if they, you know, if they get out of control. But, no, this crowd is great. Everybody's so nice. Uh, but it's helpful to have people as they're walking along the street trying to do interviews and walk and talk at the same time. But it's such a fun event. I love covering it. Well, it's fun, but it's a serious occasion. I mean, yes. we, we, we are glad 
and happy and joyful because we promote the cause of life. But we understand the Amen. stakes. We understand the stakes. They are life and death. Otherwise, why will we march? So, Teresa Tamio, we are very much looking forward to your coverage and the coverage of the rest of the EWTN family today uh, as you cover the March for Life. Have a good one. Thank you for taking a little Thanks. time this morning. Sure. And don't forget, we're simulcasting on radio. So to make sure you listen, but also watch, too, if you can. And you tell those TV folks they're up early, but we were up okay. early. Okay. Yep. There you go. Ciao. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back after this. It's uh, 14 till. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe and then present those to a skeptical world. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, we welcome Trent Horn back. Join us, Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain. It's always great to catch up on a Friday morning with Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston. Normally, we look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings, but we're getting ready uh, here pretty quick on EWTN to uh, look at uh, the whole March for Life coverage of the day, but beginning with the closing Mass for the Vigil for Life. Father Duncan, good morning. Good to be with you, Matt. A lot of good readings in the Mass for today, but this question of the sanctity of life, I mean, we all got skin in the game on this, in some level, because we're alive. (laughs) But I wonder, uh, as people are heading to the March for Life, as, as you reflect on this day where we think about the sanctity of life, like, what's on your mind, what's in your heart, um... What resonates with you in terms of like your own life, your own experience, and why you care about this question? Well, I think, you know, I always like to start first with the scriptures and then let the scriptures kind of draw out the truth uh, that we experience. And of course, we're going to have that beautiful reading from the book of Revelation, Revelation 21. 
And what's so moving about this is that I think, you know, we live in, in an age, especially when I think about, like, the, the Twitterverse or X or whatever it's calling itself now, where everyone wants to get the last word. And I think it's so beautiful that when we open up the book of Revelation, John is given this vision from the Lord, and in the vision, it's God who gets the last word, and he gets the last word over and against uh, the enemies, the Satan, over and against sin, and ultimately death. Because death is, death is the ultimate denial of the goodness of God's creation, right? It's, it's the ultimate denial of God's word at the beginning, that it's good and it's very good. And so we see in the book of Revelation that with this new heaven and new earth, death is going to be no more. There's going to be no more tears. And I think that's, that's, just, that's, that's the hope we need. That's the promise we need. And we've received, of course, the gift of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is a gift showing that God has the ultimate mastery over life and that life is this precious gift. And I'm also reminded of the words of St. James, that sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death, and that all of our sins in different ways, if we were to see them fully grown, if we were to see them uh, allowed to grow and flourish in our lives, ultimately it's going to lead to death. And of course, obviously, um, abortion is, is preeminent in our minds as it should be, but the, the sin of abortion began with a series of other sins, right? Serious sins of, of lust, sins of impurity, um, uh, sins of, of fornication. Sin, like all kinds of things lead to that point where life is taken, where death is embraced. But well, again, we have this, the, this hope. Yeah. Oh, you think about the seven deadly sins. Think about the reasons that are given to justify abortion, Right. Uh, you go down the list of seven de- deadly sins. Pride. I can't be uh, connected with this unplanned pregnancy. I'm supposed to be connected with a, you know, a respectable marriage. So we're gonna we're gonna take care of this on the side so that it never happened. My pride is at stake here. Or 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 even how the devil tempts people with greed. Like you can't afford this. You need this money for yourself. Yep. How can you be a dual income, no kids couple? If you've got a kid, right? How can you go on endless Royal Caribbean cruises if you have children? Um, or even like the, the sin of anger. Like I'm so – how many men force women into abortions and vent their anger on them and pressure them against their will to make this decision? All the deadly sins are involved in this. Absolutely. And, and James is so right. You know, sin, when it's full grown, gives birth, gives birth to, death. to death. But – we know who gets the last word. I mean, this is the, the beauty of the gospel, is that the Lord gets the last word over sin in God's people. Like, this is what this is the, the good news of purgatory, is that uh, for those who are in Christ, for those who embrace Christ and are in, in Him, even your sin doesn't get the last word. He will get the last word and purge and, and cleanse us. And ultimately, death doesn't get the last word. That at the resurrection, death death is going to be no more. Death, he hates it so much, he's going to throw it into the lake of fire. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. It is amazing that death will be no more. But you know, we've got a Catholic priest here on the radio right now, and there are a lot of people who have been in these situations 
themselves or maybe are in that situation right now, and maybe the thought that's nagging them is that the church won't accept me, the church won't love me, it's too hard to make this decision for life, it's too hard to do anything, I don't know if there's going to be a community that supports me. From your perspective as a Catholic priest, what would you say to someone who thinks they can't choose life right now? I, I think people have to understand that there's always fear associated with with embracing a gift from the Lord. There's always a little bit of nervousness. But if you trust that Christ is for you, not against you, and that whatever gift he is bringing you, if that's the gift of a new child, if that's uh, the gift, you know, maybe it's a couple, you know, struggling with infertility, and they're like, you know, where do I fit into this? Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's seeking to be that mother and that father to, to, to folks in your parish and your community who don't have that. There's so many different ways, that, but Christ is ultimately for you, and he's only going to give you things that are for your good, and they're going to be a blessing. And I, I'm a married priest. I think most folks know if they've been listening. I have five kids, uh, and there have been moments where we were like, oh, okay. And we didn't, you know, we didn't consider um, ending a pregnancy, but there were moments of fear and, you know, what does a second child or a third child or a fourth child or a fifth child mean for us? But we've been blessed beyond compare with all of our children. And Christ is for us, and he's giving us things that in the moment can seem a little intimidating or even scary, but are ultimately beautiful and blessings. Indeed, indeed. Uh, that's hard to add anything to that. Other than just to remind people who just joined us that Father Duncan is a married Catholic priest because he was a Episcopalian for a while. <laughs> it's legit. In. It's legit. It's legitimate, I promise. Uh, but in the meantime, Father, I wonder if you would maybe give a blessing uh, to our listeners, and especially those who are gathering either in their own town or in Washington, D.C. to march today uh, to, to bless their efforts and their, uh, um, their courage. Among the number is my oldest, actually. All uh, right. My 15-year-old who's, who's marching with his um, fellow Catholic school students. Let us pray. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Duncan, thank you. Have a great day. All right. That wraps it up for our March for Life pregame coverage. Coming up next, we got Mass from Washington, D.C., where it's all going down. In the meantime, we're so grateful that you joined us. Uh, as you have, some of you, every year for the pregame, quote-unquote, tailgate uh, party for the March for Life. It is a time to celebrate the beauty of life. It's a time to mourn, right, the, uh, the tragedy of abortion. But you know what? It's all about remembering that God came to give life and that the other side is not life-giving. So may God bless you and keep you and grant you his life and peace. 